Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about addiction, but more importantly, about recovery. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Welcome back to another another episode of We Do Recover. Yes. I'm your host, Jared Miller. Today in the Recovery Lounge, I'm joined by your co-host, Dr. Terry Sellers, our favorite producer, Sean Denovan, and your featured guest, Amanda Marker. This podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 007 is brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, where addiction ends and healing begins. And listen, if you or a loved one needs help, give them a call, 801 800 Four one eight two, eight one four two. Let me do wow. that again. Do that again, just for that. Yeah, eight zero one eight zero zero eight one four two. Perfect. There we go. Yep. The hiccups out of the way. Love it. So, what's what is new and good in the rich and famous life of Dr. Terry Sellers? Whoa, whoa! I don't know who has a rich and famous life. Not me. <laughs> That's you, buddy. Not me. Um, not much. I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I got a quote from a dentist to fix some problems I have in my mouth, and the quote was $37,000. Therefore, when I say some problems in my mouth, <laughs> I don't mean I've got a cavity or two. Um, so that's new and good, or it's at least new. That'll make me not rich. Yeah, that hey, that kind of money will definitely put a dent in your in your wallet for sure. sure and i'm down here in sunny st george for those of you listening that don't know st george it's hot uh today's going to be about 100 degrees which is not at, like ridiculously hot for st george but it's still pretty warm and got a golf game tomorrow so i'm excited 104 feels a lot better than 115. it's yeah, been I'll hot bet. lately I'll it's bet. been hot amanda marker amanda marker can you tell the what's listeners that? what's new and good in your life What's new and good? Uh, there's lots of new and good stuff going on. Um, I've been working a lot. I am working something I love doing. So it's really kind of exciting to wake up and do what you love every single day. Um, and I just got a lot of exciting stuff going on. So it definitely is a good time. Are you a workaholic? I am. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Cross addiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I work on that as well, though. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Erase and replace. Remember? Oh, erase hey, and replace. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. This episode, what? Three. Yeah. Two or three. The the, pro know. the problem is there is a such thing as cross addiction, right? Here comes oh, the doctor absolutely. side of me, and some people get a rush of dopamine in their midbrain from working, mm -hmm. and that can really be a problem. One of the things that we need to do in recovery, and everybody knows this, but we need to take time to care for ourselves. Beautifully said. Sean Denovan, so you were saying you were getting ready for school. School has started. What's up with that? It's going okay. Just okay? It's just okay. You know, Zoom calls and people that are remote and then they're here and then it's vice versa. It's just a little crazy. But I'm surprised you haven't pointed out the one glaring wait, wait, difference. I'm about to the point it out. one huge I'm glaring difference. about to point it out. <laughs> Hold on. You guys don't see Sean Denovan on camera, but Sean has had a beard every time we have recorded this podcast. Sean currently does not have a beard, and I don't totally recognize it's him. full-on baby face. Yeah, like about November, I was like, I'm going to try this. You know, and then it came out gray. I put dye in it, and I went to some professional shaver guys. And, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Just weren't loving it. All right. Then I asked Facebook what I should do, and then my wife got mad because she's like, I told you what to do. Why are you asking Facebook what to do? <laughs> anyway, so I got the baby face thing going yeah. on this week. There you go. There you go. Amanda Marker, let's get to it. Thank you so much for coming on. We are so excited. Tell us where you're at and uh, start off by telling the listeners what your life looks like in recovery today. Right on. Well, first off, thank you for having me on, you guys. It's kind of, of been a nervous thing. I've been like nervous about all week, um, but I'm here. I'm ready to kind of do this thing. Stop. So, um, Stop the nervousness and tell us <laughs> who you are. You just have to tell us who you are. There's nothing yes, nervous about yes. that. Um, so I am a mom to three. I work from home. I just started a, I launched a new business. Um, I'm also a health and fitness coach. I do a lot of peer support work digitally um, with people in recovery. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as my own recovery and the work that I'm doing. I've worked through a program with a recovery coach. Um and we're actually working together, building other programs. So, so my recovery every day is just kind of helping other people right now. Isn't that a common theme? It really has mm-hmm. been amongst a lot of guests we've had on, like kind of what we've work got and giving guests. back and yeah. reaching back to help people. Yeah. But right, who are but who are we inviting on our podcast? Right, successful people. Yeah, exactly. And so part of success in recovery has got to be giving back because we're seeing just the same theme over and over. So it's been uh-huh. awesome. I would say uh, five years is qualifies as a, as a success story. Amanda, yes. you have five years. You're coming up on five years. Remind me. Five years, yes. Um, my last time, my last day that I used was August 12th of 2015. Um, and... I turned around and never went back after that. Um, it was it was one of the non-traditional ways to get clean. Um, I kind of moved away from my problems and just had to get my mind clean away from all of the same people um, that were kind of keeping me in this in this cycle. Um, so I I definitely definitely have not gone back because I just have a lot of bad memories there. Um, and uh, people will tell you a lot that it doesn't work to run away, but it's worked for me thus far. Um, <laughs> if it doesn't work later, then I will definitely have to uh, deal with it. But as of right now, it worked. So well, I'm just kind of five, running. Five it. years <laughs> is pretty successful, right? right. I mean, yes. that's, a, that's a great success story. I think there's a lot of people in the treatment industry that will say, you know, and they call it a geographical where you move away from your problems. And how unsuccessful that is. On the other hand, what is wildly successful these days? Success is you sitting here five years clean and sober. And so, yeah, is it a great way to do it? I don't know, probably not, but is there anything that's that's dramatically better than, no, I don't know, treatment even, even isn't all that successful. Ooh, so, I like you, Dr. Sellers. Well, we are definitely gonna have to chat more. Well, we'll, we'll figure <laughs> that out. But, um, so tell me, uh, let's go with Amanda Marker. Uh, tell me how old your kids are. My son is 15, my oldest is 15. Um, I have an eight-year-old daughter whose birthday is next week, and Ooh. my son is four. Okay, names. Or in, if you Alex. don't want to, that's fine, actually. Yeah, yeah, Alec is my oldest, okay. um, and then my daughter, her name is Ariana, and my son is named after my late grandfather, um, and his name is Randy, Randy Hewlett. Okay, 
Thanks. Awesome. I want to know what you got planned for the birthday party. Oh, not much. Not much. It's 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 a rough time out there. Listen, all <laughs> kids care about all kids care about is they cake and ice cream. Wait, she's how old now? Presents. She will be how old this she's she's turning nine okay next week. so you better yeah. make you better start planning because this needs to be kind of a big deal <laughs> we're planning we're planning inside i'm not i'm not risking all of the the children running around sneezing on each other not right now yeah there you go what are schools doing in philadelphia are you in philadelphia is that where you are i'm closer to pittsburgh okay. um and and our schools are they're opening up um, as of right now, I have my 15 year old, he's doing a, like a hybrid version of going into class and then doing the digital online stuff. Okay. And, um, my youngest who's in school, my daughter, she's going to be all online. She's had a lot of, um, issues, you know, going through school, getting sick constantly throughout the year. So mm. I just don't want to risk that. You sure. Know? Sure. Awesome. Yeah. Play it safe. That's I, hard. That's harder though. Having kids mm-hmm. home than having them in school. I mean, having mm-hmm. kids in school is a little bit of a respite for moms. I want to back up and focus on something that Amanda said. Okay. She said a lot of people may say you don't run from your problems, right? Okay. Uh-huh. So I, I, I'm I, not trying to get negative here, anybody, yeah. but the one thing, how can one person tell another person what their recovery looks like? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like, I guess one thing I want to bring up is – everybody's recovery is their own and obviously five years that's that's an amazing that's that's a great goal to hit statistics say that you're 70 percent likely within your first year to relapse oh i think it's higher than that oh is it now the statistics i had were old yeah uh, well there's a a bunch of different stats you can read i don't think your stats are wrong but i've read some higher numbers for sure yeah have you ever dealt with 85 percent is a number i often quote as you're working in treatment centers what how do you deal with that this is the ideal way to to get clean to stay sober i think you're making a good point and amanda you can speak to this um the point is first of all you said how can somebody tell somebody else what their recovery looks like well First of all, don't say that because that's the entire treatment industry, right? Don't don't take everybody <laughs> off. We'll be thrown off the air. But um, they, oh. but what treatment hopefully does is a teaches some coping mechanisms and b points people in the direction of things that are slightly more successful than uh, and maybe just doing it by yourself. But again, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think they're way more successful. I think they're slightly more. So really, it's a, it's an outliner. It's a blueprint to set people up to have the most, right. the best chance possible. That's all we can do in treatment, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's interesting to note. This is a really cool topic, I think, because it's interesting to note that what you did probably isn't quite as successful as going to residential treatment um, for most. But it's not dramatically less successful. Right. I mean, just because right. treatment outcomes aren't as good as they could be now, and and treatment centers are working on that. But if you ever, mm-hmm. you know, if you ever get a hold of a treatment center and they tell you your, their success rates are sixty or seventy or eighty percent, they're lying. That's not true. Mm-hmm. That's just not true. Yeah, not that high. We're gonna take off all our treatment friends. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, this podcast is about recovery, and recovery comes in many different forms yes, and many it different does. faces. And there's the point. Treatment, treatment really does work well for a lot of people, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. It's not for Amanda Marker. She did it without that. Well, I would. I absolutely. Um, if if the if it was in my favor a little bit more, as far as 
my circumstance. I have three children, stuff like that. Um, of course, my recovery is the most important thing, but um, it just wasn't possible for me. And rather than sitting around and just continue to use and continue to, you know, stay sick, I just took initiative and started listening to TED Talks and meditating and working out and doing things to try to to try to switch the switch the the old habits and get rid of them, you know, because they think that that was just kind of a in early recovery. I just wanted to replace my bad habits with Erase something else and replace. Reminds me yeah. of a cheesy little quote, but I'm gonna say it. Yeah. If I always do what I've always done, I'll always be where I've always been, or I'll always right. get what I've always got. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh -huh. okay, Amanda. So that's good. That's an interesting viewpoint let's this is a fun topic i think let's talk about that so um you just started trying to replace kind of what you had been doing with slightly more positive things is that what you're saying yes sir that's made, exactly it made a decision uh -huh. have you um you made it might have made a decision to turn your life over to the will of god as you know him but um whatever happened you made a decision that you were going to try and do something different right uh -huh. okay so <laughs> So what, what, what prompted that decision? Well, um, so back in 2015, I was, um, I had been homeless for about a year living in Southwest Florida, um, literally sleeping wait, underneath wait, a bridge. Wait, wait, just wait, because... wait, wait, stop, stop right there. Stop. Oops, sorry. Sorry. Where in Southwest Florida? Dr. Sellers is from Florida. Oh, yeah. Um, I live in Cape Coral. Um, it's okay. around Fort Myers, nope. Naples yep. area. I grew up in Clearwater. So we well, had there to. You go. Yeah, so you're just down the coast from me. But sorry, I know that the listeners no, don't care about that at all, but suddenly I hear Florida, I get all excited. So yes, keep, keep, it is. It's exciting. It feels like a small world, you know, when that happens. I love it. <laughs> and if you're going to live under a bridge, Florida's the place to live under a bridge, right? That's what, right. That is nice. <laughs> So well, it was it was dreadfully hot. I, I definitely I definitely could say that. And the mosquitoes were were just brutal. Sure, so sure, sure. But, but it's better than a Philly winter, place. right? Yeah. Better than sleeping yes. under a bridge in a Philadelphia winter or a, or a Pennsylvania winter, winter whatever, wherever you are. Um, I to say that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, OK, keep going. So you're you're homeless. You're essentially sleeping under a bridge. Yes. Um, my kids had been already, re I had sent them to live with their fathers and they just were not letting me speak to them at all. Rightfully so. Um, so it was kind of like a, a, a period of my life where I was grieving. Um, I thought I was grieving my children, but I was actually grieving this, this person that I was growing away from. Um, so it, it, it was kind of tough, but it, I knew that if I didn't do this, then I was going to just keep with the same cycle throughout my children's lives. Um, so as hard as it was to 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 not have my children around um, and and worrying constantly that they thought that I had just left them, like I had just left them, um, that was a lot to take in and that was a lot to deal with. But it was exactly what I needed uh, oh. to get to get when you get really super uncomfortable and everything's awful, there's, you know, you can stay there and wallow or you can just keep it moving. And, and, and that's what we did. We kept it moving. So, um, nice now job. I, I'm proud of it all. My children are very much so involved in the work that I do. Um, and they're just these really phenomenal little human beings, you know, they're, they're amazing. So, 
the guilt that we feel a lot for our children having to go through horrible things that we put them through as we were choosing drugs over them. Um, it really does build a lot of strength and character as long as we pull ourselves out of it and they get to see that happen. So, so guilt can be a motivator, right? A positive motivator, but only if you uh, make a choice to do something different about it. If, if the other thing that guilt does is it makes us feel crappy about ourselves. And so you can take a choice of staying feeling that way about yourself. And if you do that, you have to cover that up with drugs and alcohol, or you can make a, a more positive choice and get rid of the guilt. Uh -huh. Would you say your children maybe then were one of the big inspirations for you cha making changes? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. The, right. the, when you consistently four years, because that's pretty much what it was. I had my son when I was very, very young. I was 17. Um, and then I worked in bars and did bartending and worked in clubs in Southwest Florida. And it just got, you know, this lifestyle and it just became this horrible thing. Um, so the guilt kind of just eating away at you for years and years and years, because you know damn well what you're doing and how it's affecting your children. Um, that's absolutely the number one motivator it was for me at least. So I made this connection with Amanda online. Okay. Yes. Virtually through social media, Facebook. So cool. Mm -hmm. She's a powerhouse. Yeah, right. She does a marketing thing, right? No question. She, she's a powerhouse when it comes to marketing and, and growing your platform organically, they call it. Mm -hmm. And everything that you just got done talking about as I'm sitting here, like I can just see your, your title. It's just, it, it fits it perfect. And I'm going to let you say yeah. it because it's yours. Yes. Duh, duh, duh. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, we, we, well, I, uh, I say we because it sounds more humble, but I have built this organization. Um, it's called Pain to Purpose, and that's exactly what it is. Our, oh. our pain and the things that we've gone through, as horrible as they feel, um, they serve a great purpose. There's a lesson behind every single thing. Guilt is nothing but a, a misinterpreted message from our own soul um so it was kind of it was kind of life-changing to be able to flip the script like that and realize that it didn't hurt it was teaching me a lesson yeah that reminds me so i i read this thing and it said if you're having anxiety or you're having guilt okay you're basically punishing yourself twice because if i'm having anxiety about something I'm miserable about it leading up to it. And then if it ends up going in a terrible way that I'm fearing it's going to go, then I experience that twice. Then if you have guilt on it, you experience it the first time it happened. And then afterwards you're carrying that guilt with you. So you just continuing to punish yourself. That's kind of the mm -hmm. thing that, that keeps coming to me. You know, the old, mm -hmm. another cheesy saying, but if I have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, what am I doing to the present? I can't, I don't have any idea, but I think you're going to start talking about bodily functions again. So <laughs> I'm going to stay out of I, that. I'm wasting away the present, basically. You're, you're pissing on the present. Yep. That's what's happening. That's the saying. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah. I like it. So uh, the good, I'm nice transition, by the way, because I think this is where we want to be right now. And I got a little carried away with some of the backstory, which we can talk a little more about later, but... Um, so pain to purpose, tell, tell me what that does, what that organization is, what do you do? How do people contact you? Right on. Um, so uh, 
Pain of Purpose is a digital support center um, that I've kind of built. I have a lot of people who do volunteer work and help me do this stuff. Um, we have nightly peer support meetings through Zoom so that people can not isolate. Um, we do uh, workshops with people. We, we have a 12-step workshop. Um, I've created kind of like a digital a digital workbook um, so people are able to kind of just put their answers right into their phone. They don't need a printer or any of that stuff. Um, and, and we're just really doing a lot of work. Um, I look at it as kind of like experience, just kind of gaining experience that I need for bigger plans that I have later in the future. <laughs> That's awesome. What, so wait, you're, you're providing a platform for people to come together, people to mm -hmm. get education, information on, to share their feelings, to make it feel like they're not so isolated during COVID because she's back east. Back, it's not right. like St. George people are walking right. around. Unless you go to a grocery store, a lot of us don't have masks on. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but uh, the the pe people in the east are going to freak out if you say that. Don't tell her. Yeah, that. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Terry, you can't keep telling me not to say stuff I've already said. But oh, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe good I point. should warn you ahead of time. But I do think that's amazing. You're, it's you're, not nearly as crowded down here as it is back east. Oh either. yeah, we live in. Like yeah, all of our all of the United States population is east of the Mississippi, except for California and Texas. Man. We're here in Utah. There's we're nobody. Um, okay, I wanted to what what? Okay, how do I? What are my benefits of joining, and how do I join your organization? Um, we have a Facebook page. Um, if you uh, go to Facebook and search "Pain to Purpose," I have a page. I have a group. Um, we're also doing other stuff as far as different groups, and but that's our main that's our main support center is because we have those. We do workouts every morning with people. We do group meditation every morning, kind of trying to just provide a little bit of 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 positivity because I really think that well we know we've been working with these people and they get a little bit of the the feel for how good they start to feel after just kind of implementing a couple of these of these tools and these practices um and it really is it's, it's life-changing it was for me um and and I think that we're just going to keep going with it um so we we do all of that online. We have a health and recovery um, section. We also have a kind of like for the nonprofit organizations and um, different mission statements about mental health and whatnot. Um, we're building something there as well. So we got a lot of stuff going on over there. Facebook is is kind of silly, but that's like uh, that's like a just a front for everything no, a, that's where I everything is I don't um, think it's silly. i'm sure at some point we'll move to youtube and all that other stuff okay but so now we're on facebook right now i just go to facebook and i look up pain to purpose yes sir okay. you will find it right. i think there's one other um group or page that was pain to purpose um but yeah we've definitely we've definitely kind of grown this and and been building it up since december um so we have all kinds of um, live stories and stuff like that, people sharing. There's there's tons and tons and tons of stuff there. So you can find it that way. That's I, awesome. I it kind of reminds I got one more if you got a Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. We got a We're down to like a, minute, a little bit over a minute. So um, you hinted something that uh, and then smiled. Uh, it, do you have a bigger dream than this? 
Yes, what sir, is, I do. What is the big, <laughs> yeah. what is the big picture look like for you in the future? What are you, what is it you want to really accomplish? So I am working on an app development. Um, I'm working on a program for teenagers to serve as kind of like a preventative care, um, just kind of teaching emotional hygiene and and things like that. Um, and we are working on an app so that it's just convenient and recovery is there. You can find all the information, um, make connections with people and, and kind of the workshops that we're doing. We've been building all kinds of different programs um, uh, to kind of serve as a follow-up plan, like a follow-up treatment plan to the 12-step program. Um, so so that's that's soon to come. Beautiful. Excited about that one. Yeah. Amanda, you're amazing. If you guys are listening to this, please stay tuned. Join us for part two. We're going to take a call for Dr. Sellers. We're also going to get into the journey into Amanda's recovery. Thank you so much. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after the short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers, brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Part two of episode 007 featuring Amanda Marker. Beautiful. Hey, uh, can I tell you something? Yeah. Last night. So I come down and... uh, we have a sponsor that provides our guests a hotel room. So nice of them, right? So, Amanda, by the way, if you ever get to St. George, Utah, we can get you a hotel room. Um, you're welcome anytime. But I slept there last night, and it was amazing again. It's uh, The Hilton Garden Inn is a place, is a beautiful place. Their pool is amazing. They uh, they do such a good job. Their hospitality is great. My bed was awesome. So, listen, it's always sunny and friendly at the Hilton Garden in St. George. One of these times, I'm gonna come over. I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna like use your card to go sit in the hot tub and just go hang out. Come over and use the pool in the hot tub anytime. Their pool's great. Yeah, my buddy Chris, man, he he's awesome. He runs he runs that place. So cool. We got a call. Are you ready? Okay. To- yeah. Let's do it. And and I just want to say phone call. before we get to it. Okay. This is from my friend Amber, and she is amazing. She's probably one of my biggest supporters. She's such a, a sweet She's person. A great, great fan, no question. Amanda, you can agree, right? Absolutely. Amber's awesome. All right, yeah. let's get to her call. Thanks for calling, Amber. Hi, this is Amber from Lehigh, Utah, and I have a question for Dr. Sellers um, in regards to his take on legalizing weed. Um, my question is, is because there's a lot of talk about it in the recovery, and does it, are you sober? Are you not sober? I'm just wondering if you know of the any like studies that they've done to prove its effectiveness in helping um, mental health, illness, recovery, addiction, um, and kind of your take on that. Um, and I, the the second part of a question that I have, and this could be for Jared as well. Um, 
is that we've seen a, a rise in overdoses and with the pandemic and with everything that's going on. But I've also noticed that the biggest thing I, that I see personally is that overcoming the shame part of it, right? Overcoming the shame of, of coming back from a relapse, especially if you've had time or with, you know, the meetings and things aren't as accessible, it seems like, these days. Um, what is the best way to overcome um, that shame and be able to come back um, and utilize the tools that we have? Um, again, um, I love you guys. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to hearing um, the response and the communication on that. Have a great day. Well, wow. so thanks, Amber, for the question. That was a great question. Two questions. It's two questions, and they're awesome. both unbelievably good questions, questions, but super broad topics. Like, we could do episodes on the legalization <laughs> of marijuana, Easy. and we could do episodes on how to get back into it if you've somehow relapsed. Mm-hmm. Those are both wonderful topics. Let me start tackling the legalization of marijuana. Get it. And it's going to be, I'm going to have to chop it way back because yeah. there really is a bunch of stuff here. So uh, my thoughts are the, the following. We're calling, we're calling it medical marijuana now, right? Now, many states, some states for sure have legalized it recreationally. Um, I have my thoughts on that, too, by the way. Recreation used to be more than sitting on the couch eating Cheetos and smoking pot, right? <laughs> I don't understand how that's recreation, but what, whatever. Um, it does not, pot does not motivate you to get off that couch and actually do recreation, for sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we also call it medicinal marijuana. Okay, there's not a medicine in the history of the United States that's ever been approved the way that marijuana is being approved currently. Suddenly, we're just going to states and we're raising our hand and voting whether that's or we're pulling a lever or we're punching out a ballot or whatever and saying, hey, this this stuff's now a medicine. That is not how we do medications in the United States. There's no medicine ever been done like that. So it's interesting that we call it. Um, medical marijuana because there's no other medicine done that way. I hate that concept right there. We have, listen, we have tons of problems with our healthcare system, but one of them isn't how unsafe our drug supply is. Do drugs cause, I mean, do medications, I mean, not drugs, but do medications cause some problems? Oh, absolutely. But we have a safer medication um, supply than any other country on the planet because of the FDA. And again, I don't want to tackle the FDA. It's too broad of a topic. Okay, second part of the course. So anyway, I don't like that we're doing that. Let me let me just ask you real quick though, because I I've actually uh, there's studies on like people with PTSD, right? Like vets that are coming back that struggle with PTSD. You know, antidepressants are a two point one billion dollar industry, and a lot of the times it doesn't help them, or they switch back and forth from one to the other. Have you ever come across or heard of any? situations where medical marijuana helps those people sure don't ever interrupt me again though sorry (laughs) i'm kidding um yeah and i i do want to get to that but i'll get to that sort of more towards the end because it does it 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 is successful and there are medical studies for a number of conditions that that it's helpful for there's no question about that but we're ignoring the way that we do the process normally we do the process we study it we look at the risks, benefits, side effects, all of that stuff, and then decide whether it's worthy of becoming a medication or not, right? 
which we're not really doing with marijuana. So second thought is we have prisons full of people that are in there for smoking or selling weed. I heard a story of mm-hmm. a guy that got 27 years for selling an ounce of marijuana. That is absurd. Ugh, crazy. That's absurd. I don't love marijuana because I treat addiction a lot, but I also don't think anybody should be locked away in prison for massive amounts of time over a marijuana charge. Um, I I don't love legalizing it, but that's another story, and people can argue that. I, um, I think there should be something as far as punishment if we're going to be selling that stuff, but that's another argument, and people can argue the other side, and with good arguments. That's okay. They might have legal. Uh, re- they might have legitimate arguments for that. That's a whole different topic. Okay, let me tell you the studies that what the studies have shown about marijuana. First of all, the people say it does all kinds of things. Uh, seizures, for example, it does help a few people with seizures. But um, we have tons of seizure medications which are just as safe. Uh, it is. Um, there may be a couple of different subtypes of seizures that respond better to marijuana than other medications, but that's a very small group of people. Probably helps glaucoma. Probably helps um, spasticity and multiple sclerosis. It. Um, what else are the studies shown? Anxiety. The studies are mixed. For a lot of people, it helps anxiety, but if you smoke marijuana and think the cops are are hiding outside in the trees, that that's not helping your anxiety at all. And that is a side effect sometimes. Paranoia is the side effect of of uh, marijuana. Um, schizophrenia is uh, you are more likely to develop schizophrenia if you are smoking pot than if you do not smoke pot. The argument. The question out there is, does the pot cause the schizophrenia or is it latent schizophrenia that was going to come out anyway and the marijuana just brings it out? I don't know that answer. I don't think we have that answer totally yet. But uh, there's your, she asked about studies on mental health. Most of your studies on mental health show not really much help in anxiety, although occasionally. Um, uh, uh, Increase in your risk of of developing schizophrenia, which is terrible. Um, PTSD has shown some promise and I definitely have seen some studies about that and it can be helpful sometimes for PTSD. Um, I can't think of, I'm not sure if I can think of any other mental health conditions. I don't think I can come up with studies that have been done about depression. Um, it, uh, might help chronic pain. The problem with that is uh, the, the, the opiate addicted patient all think, well, I'll use marijuana because it's not nearly as bad as opiates. And that's, marijuana is probably not nearly as bad as opiates. But there are studies out there that show that smoking marijuana does not decrease opioid use amongst opioid addicts. Well, if you want, if you want my opinion, she asked in the very beginning, are you still so, you know, are you still clean? That's it. No, that's a flat out no. Well, okay. So let's do, let's, let's say, let's compare it to Suboxone. Right. Okay. If you take uh-huh. Suboxone at a doctor's order and you oh, do it exactly yeah. like the doctor says, you can, you for sure are clean. If you're getting it from a medical facility and you're right. doing it the way you're supposed to be doing, I guess there's Let's some Let's say a doctor has prescribed it for something that it's known to work for and you take that prescription as prescribed. Uh, yeah, you can, you're clean. 
Yeah. Depends on, to me, it, it's all in here and you can't, we can't judge that from other people, but what's your motivation for using marijuana? Is it to check out for a minute? Yeah. Cause if that is, you're not clean. That's not what we, that's not clean. Sorry. If your motivation is I can't find anything else that helps my seizures and I'm going to try this and it helps your seizures. You're so clean. It's unbelievable. So yeah, good point. Yeah. So real quick, let's just take a minute to address the second part of that question. I want to save some time for, for uh, our guest or Amanda. Yeah. So guilt. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and tackle that? No, this isn't necessarily uh, my my question. Like guilt is not a medical condition, right? I think you and Amanda can answer this every bit as well as I can or better. And I've been talking so much that the people are getting tired of me. So that's not true. I want to hear other opinions. Let's see what you guys think about guilt and how do you get back to recovery? Um. If you've relapsed and you're and you feel really guilty about it, Amanda, I'm gonna let you go first. Oh man! Oh wow! On. Um, I I definitely uh, I I do work with a lot of people, and sometimes um, they'll come back and say that they've relapsed on you know something, and 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 they feel really ashamed. They didn't want to talk about it. Um, and that's what we're kind of fighting here. This is what you're doing, right? We're trying to kind of nip that stigma in the bud and make sure that recovery is cool. So people keep coming back. Um, they see it, they get a taste of it and they like it and they love it and they want to continue that. Um, when they do get sidetracked and, and relapse, then they still have this in their, in the back of their mind, knowing that this can be, you know, what they need. So I think it just takes a little bit of courage reach out to somebody anyone and most people will tell you the same thing don't be ashamed that's what we're all fighting against that's a great answer that was a good answer mine is uh, gonna be if you fall down eight times you get up nine right yeah. I mean we, we all know relapse is part of recovery and look we're talking about addiction but I can make this anything bring me any diet okay if I'm if I'm doing really good on my diet I'm losing weight I'm feeling good and then all of a sudden I go out and I splurge yeah. What do you do the next day? You wake up, mm-hmm. you knock it off, you get back to your diet, you brush your shoulder off, and you move forward. No, you keep eating the creme brulee. Right. Oh, come on, Dr. Right. Sellers. This is why I look like I do, and you look like you do. <laughs> but, right. you know, it, it, it's like in school. You're going to school. I miss yeah. an assignment. What do you do? Well, right. you get back on right. track, you make up the assignment, and you get back after it. Right. You know, I mm-hmm. think everybody, they fear relapse so much that it, it become, they start to give it energy. When they give it energy, yes. it's going to manifest right. itself. That's a good point. Look, if you've experienced a relapse, the best thing you can do is make, just like when Call you Call somebody. Macklemore has a great song. Holy cow, this just popped into my head. Yeah. Macklemore does starting a lot of great over. music about addiction. For yeah. Sure. Macklemore, yeah. starting over. If I can be an example of getting sober, I can be an example of starting over, right? Get back on the horse mm-hmm. and get after it. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. That's my opinion. I, the other thing I'd like to point out that we sometimes think is people relapse and they think, oh, I just lost my 22 years of sobriety. You didn't lose a thing. You just lost you your learned date. a whole bunch of time, a whole bunch of things in that 22 years. That's right. You haven't forgotten a single one of those things. Okay, you get back on the horse and you realize that all the stuff you did for 22 years worked for 22 years. It'll work for the next 22. You know, and I don't really mind doing it. I don't really mind so much that you, that you made the mistake and you relapse. The thing, in my opinion, that's the most important is what you do next. Yeah, for sure. If you mm-hmm. take that relapse and you use it as a 
a pity thing and well i messed up i might as well right. right use again well guess what now you're instead of just relapse you're back into active addiction right and you and listen there's people that have died from this disease we call addiction so the in my opinion i'm not so much focused on get over the shame of it make the next right choice and get your get back on get back on track way to hold your tongue there <laughs> otherwise you're, you're just going to be right back in the depths of your addiction that you started in the first place yeah excellent excellent point reach out people we need to help each other absolutely like, if somebody relapses we need to do everything we can to help them not feel that shame help them mm -hmm. feel welcome back welcome to this group again welcome back to my life again you are invited into my life and you'll always have a spot there please please come back beautifully said all right amanda marker yes sir all right uh we talked way too long i apologize um oh, you're good. but i want to know tell me about it like when tell me when you started you let's go back to the beginning of drug use what got you started how did you get to a point where you were addicted and a slave to drugs or alcohol just for a few minutes what's your what was your doc your first use um, my drug of choice by the end of my addiction was crack cocaine. Um, but it was, um, I, I, I started, I overdosed the first time, um, I was in sixth grade. I was at school. Whoa. Um, I took a, my mom's Tegretol. It was a seizure, a seizure medication that she had. Um, and I took a bunch of it. Um, I had to go, the, the ambulance came to my school. I had to go next door and they, handed me a big cup of this black mushy stuff it was charcoal, charcoal. um yeah Ugh. and they they make you drink it um and and you're lucky if you drink that because other times they pump your stomach um which happened to me the next time that happened so it was kind of a a lifelong thing um i i had no connection or relationships um my family was very distant. There was just a lot of problems that my mom, she was going through and she just didn't have any kind of emotional hygiene herself. So she wasn't able to teach it to us. Um, and I, I started with the opiates after I, I think I was 18 or 19. So um, wait, I, I missed. Um, so that first use was Tegretol, you said, right? Yes. You were, you yes. were 12 years old. You were in sixth grade. Right. What? Mm -hmm. What prompted you? Was there anything going on in your life or your mind that said, I need to take all the Tegretol in my mom's bottle? You know, and that's that's something I didn't know back then. But Was it a suicide attempt or that's my question, really? No, it wasn't. It was okay. it was definitely more so just behavioral patterns that I had picked up from my mother um, and just didn't realize it at that point in my it, life. I was just too young. In that stage of life, it's mirroring. If you think about it, she's right. still mirroring Dr. Right. Sellers, right? No question. Right. Absolutely. Good it question. was a uh, good question. Yeah. Good, good point too. Okay. Keep going. So, um, Tegretol the first time. Um, yeah. Then and then I ended up going to the doctors. Um, I had some stomach pains. They told me that I had a cyst or some cysts that had, had ruptured on my uterus. Um, they say they that prescribed they me. say that when they can't find anything else, by the way. I think, yeah, I, I think I learned that recently, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. back then I believed it, um, you know, and, and so they gave me the, they gave me Percocet and they gave me a medication to, um, reverse the, um, the nausea. And I had an allergic reaction to the, um, 
the nausea medication. Um, and I didn't even realize it. Um, I was having stomach problems and, and didn't know what withdrawal was, but, but I ended up starting to feel this withdrawal. And then somebody at work told me what this withdrawal was. So then it became real in my head. Um, and that's, it just spiraled for a long time after that. Uh, by the time I was, uh, right before I, I was homeless, I was doing um, large amounts of heroin every day, um, IV heroin. We, I got caught from my husband. We were not married at the time. He found all of the, all of the, the junk and the crap, um, and he, he lost it. He hated it. Uh, there was a good portion where, where I was stealing and, and, and just robbing people and doing anything that I could to kind of get my next fix. Um, and that landed me on the streets. I was homeless. I had lost my children at that point. Um, so did you, kind of something. did you wait, did you later marry him or had you married him and you were divorced by that point? Um, I, I'm married to him now. Yes. Oh, okay. We, we got back together. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So you must be so, incredible. Uh, Congratulations. I That's <laughs> awesome. Well, I would say, listen, he caught you using drugs yeah. and freaked out and yet you are yeah. still together. So. Um, that says something about you. Thank you for sharing that with us too. What the question I, I want to transition this into in our last five minutes is I want to hear about when you mustered up the strength to turn your life around, what did that look like? Right? What was some triggers? How did you deal with them? If I'm listening to this and I'm early, in, I always think about the listener. If I'm listening to this and I'm in early recovery and I'm experiencing triggers, how did, how did you deal with it? What were some of the jobs that you first had that maybe you didn't absolutely love, but you kept trucking and kept going Tell us about that. Uh, you mean once I'd already gotten clean? Yeah, when you when you were in early recovery. Uh, so I, I I think back then it was um, my grandfather. Uh, it kind of happened to where the day after I got here, after I made the decision to leave Florida, um, we got a call. I had my grandfather pretty much raised me. Um, and he was in the hospital. He had just had a heart attack, um, his second heart attack. So we left right that night, went to New York and stayed in the hospital with him for six days. Um, and he ended up passing away and dying. And there was a tremendous amount of guilt that I had had. I had ignored him and not spoken to him because I was so ashamed of the things that I was doing. Um, so it was, it really kind of hit me in the face, um, big time. And I, I think that I knew that the only way that I could ever find a way to be okay with the fact that I had not spoken to him was to just really change it and to really just make sure that I wasn't disappointing him um, because he can see me now. Uh, he couldn't see me then, but yeah. he can see me now. So yeah. that made uh, a big difference. Again, guilt as a motivator, right? Mm -hmm. So um, guilt to action is the mm -hmm. equivalent of your pain to purpose. Yeah. Yes. Um, pain, pain has a purpose and so does guilt. That purpose is to motivate us to do something differently. And you had tremendous mm -hmm. guilt and you did something differently. So that's awesome. Yes. Oh, so what, what, what were some of the triggers that you faced? Um, I, I, I definitely have had a lot of issues with um, people in recovery who are I reached out and started reaching out to people in groups. And the, the first kind of thing that I grabbed hold of was AA and NA. Um, 
and it was just very it was a process to kind of go through that and to to realize what parts of that program and that that was keeping me very small and sick um and and I definitely definitely don't I don't live by that one day at a time anymore um I did for the first part of my recovery. I definitely was just trying to survive every day sober. Um, but, but that has to shift, right? Just like the, you know, if you get surgery and you have a wound and your aftercare is going to be this at this point, but later it's going to shift. You're going to have to change the things that you're doing um, and the treatment plan that you're following. So, so it's definitely been, been difficult to do that without... Um, without a sponsor, I guess. I, I definitely didn't have a sponsor. So I, but I reached out and I found a recovery coach online. They're everywhere. Find them because they're amazing and they want to help you. Everyone wants to help. Um, that's something that, like you were saying earlier, people in recovery, they, they really do just want to help. So when you let someone help you, you're helping them. Yeah. I love that. And I've heard I've heard people talk about that, right? Sometimes they, they struggle with the NA or AA thing, but they have a thing that they say it's about principles, not personalities, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's about the teachings, not necessarily the people in the circles, but mm -hmm. there, that doesn't have to be the only avenue. It's not Amanda's for sure. AA in my mind, AA is perfect. And then you add, yeah. yes. and then you add human beings to it. And every yes. one of them is an alcoholic. Well said. Yes. Recovered alcoholic, <laughs> which is not necessarily yeah. the perfect place to go for mental health. Right. Um, right. AA in it of itself is the program is perfect, but it's run by people. Imperfect yes. people. It's run by people that <laughs> started out imperfect and are still imperfect. And so it doesn't work for everybody. That's nothing just bad about AA. That's just mm -mm. about the people in AA. And they're all good and wonderful people, but I don't get along with everybody in my life, and neither do you. Yep. Right. So you took a concept, an AA concept, a sponsor, mm -hmm. and you just morphed it a little bit is all. Right? You found a recovery yeah. coach. Yes. It's, this, it's, it's a concept that yeah. works. It does mm -hmm. not have to be a sponsor. You are a and great example, Amanda. I just want to say thank you. We got 15 seconds here. I just want to say you're a great example. Listen, if you're listening to this, please like it. Pain to purpose. Comment, share, right? Thank you guys so much. We look forward to next week, episode 008. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from... A podcast studio.